this chapter. Psalm 66, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's word. Shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Come and hear all you who fear God and I will tell what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back of your Trinity Psalter hymnal to page 896 in the back section. This is Lord's Day 52, the last Lord's Day in the Heidelberg Catechism. And this morning, I'll read for you questions 128 and 129. Reading from page 896, question 128. How do you conclude this prayer? The answer, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This means we have made all these petitions of you because as our all-powerful king, you are both willing and able to give us all that is good. And because your holy name and not we ourselves, should receive all the praise forever. Question 129, what does that little word amen express? Amen means this shall truly and surely be. For it is much more certain that God has heard my prayer 
than I feel in my heart that I desire such things from him. Well, this morning, as I said, we come to the end of our series on the Lord's Prayer and our end uh, of this series on the Heidelberg Catechism. We have been studying the Catechism for about the last two years in our morning services. The Catechism that begins with that beautiful statement about where we find our comfort in life and in death, that we are not our own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. We have looked at the Catechism's explanation of the Apostles' Creed, that creed which has been confessed by Christians down through the centuries, that God is a triune God. He is Father who has created all that we see around us. He is the Son who is our Redeemer, and He is Holy Spirit who is our Sanctifier. We looked at the sacraments of the church, uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper. We spent a long time uh, looking at the law of God, going through commandment by commandment and reminding ourselves that we hear the law and we keep the law, not so that we can be saved, but because we have been saved. They are a response of gratitude to God. And then for the last several weeks, looking at the Lord's Prayer together, we saw that that prayer has a particular structure to it. It begins with the address, addressing God as our Father, addressing Him as our Father who is in heaven. Then that first set of three petitions, sometimes called the your petitions, prayers for God's name, your name and your will and your kingdom. Followed by a second set of three petitions, the our petitions, praying for our daily bread, our forgiveness, and that God would lead us not into temptation. And this morning, we come to the close of the prayer, sometimes called the doxology of the prayer. Doxology, children, just means a good word, a word of praise, a word of blessing. And that's how the prayer ends, bringing praise to God for who he is, unbridled praise, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. Praise to God. And as we conclude that prayer with praise, I reflected somewhat on my own prayers. How much time in my own prayers do I spend simply praising God for who he is? Perhaps if you are like me, you want to get right away to the petitions. God, this is what I want you to do for me. And often that, that, that praise just kind of gets left behind. But praise is part of, of the blessing of talking to God, praising Him for the great God that He is. This psalm, Psalm 66, is a psalm of praise. A psalm that brings praise to God for who He is, praise to God for what He has done. And we can use a psalm like this to help to inform our prayers, that our prayers might be prayers of praise to our great God and our Father. For yours is the kingdom. And we have spoken before, kids, about the kingdom. What makes the kingdom of God so great? What makes the kingdom of God so great is that the king is there. The psalmist begins in verse 1, Shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Shout for joy to God all the earth. 
The kingdom of God, where, where he is now ruling and reigning, is not something only for the future, something we anticipate later to come. The kingdom of God is not limited only to the church, as if this is the only place that God rules and reigns. No, the kingdom of God is that which encompasses the whole earth. Shout for joy to God all the earth. Verse 4, all the earth worships you and sing praises to you. They sing praise to your name. The kingship of God is not a limited thing. It's something which encompasses all that he has made. And that kingdom is great and it's glorious because of who the king is. We bring praise to the king for his reign in the kingdom. Verse 2, sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Sing the glory of his name. When the psalmist talks about praising the name of God, he doesn't simply mean what we call him. But God's name is that meaningful self-expression of who he is. To praise God's name is to praise God himself. A God who is righteous. A God who has a standard of truth, of right and wrong. A God who is just. And a God who is also merciful. A God who shows us that mercy in his son, Jesus Christ. We praise God, the king of the kingdom. We bring praise to his name. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. We say this to God. Yes, we declare it to each other as well. But we say to God, how great you are. How glorious you are. God, you are majestic and wonderful and we love you. We say praise to God because he deserves our praise. How awesome are your deeds. As I get older, a little bit older, I lose touch with the language, what, what words are being used by high schoolers, by teenagers at this point. But not so long ago, the word awesome was in. Everything was awesome. Oh, I just went to an awesome ball game. I bought an awesome pair of tennis shoes. Oh, I just ate the most awesome hot dog. You know, awesome was used for everything. Awesome is a word that properly belongs to God. To be filled with awe, wonder, amazement for who he is and what he has done. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. And we mean that. They fill us with awe. They fill us with wonder. They fill us with devotion to him. So great is his power. Oh, we pray yours is the kingdom for you, O oh God, are the king. We praise you for your kingdom is glorious because you are reigning gloriously in that kingdom. Yours is the kingdom and the power, and I deliberately used that word awesome on the outline this morning. God's power, but used for the benefit of mankind. Verse 5, come and see what God has done. He, he is awesome in his deeds toward the children 
of man. Yes, the king is great and glorious and powerful, but he uses that power as a blessing to us. He he works on our behalf that we may enjoy all of his benefits. And the psalmist then gives us an example of that in verse 6. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. What's he talking about, kids? He's talking about when Israel came out of Egypt and God delivered them. And and as they left, they were being followed by the hosts, the armies of Pharaoh. And they go out and they come to this body of water and they are trapped, they can't go forward, and behind them the forces of Pharaoh. There's nothing they can do. They are trapped with no way to get out. And their power, no matter how great it was, couldn't fix the problem. God himself comes with a miraculous way of deliverance, something none of them could ever have imagined. The water opens up, and the people of Israel are able to walk through. God provides a miraculous and awesome way of escape a way they could not accomplish themselves, a way they couldn't even have imagined themselves. And yet this is God's way of manifesting His power for the benefit of His people. What a beautiful picture of what God does for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. We are those who who walk through our lives and again and again are faced with with the difficulties, the inabilities of getting past our own sin. Our sin always seems to be besetting. It's always before us. David says, my sin is always before me. And there's just no way for us to get around that. We feel as if if Satan himself is hounding us from behind and penning us in, and there's just no way out. I can't fix the problem myself. And so God does what we are unable to do. And he, in a way that that is beyond imagination, provides a way of escape. He is the one who comes down himself in his son, Jesus Christ, and not, not simply leads us to victory, but leads us to victory through the death of the son. Something beyond imagination. We would never have thought of that. And yet God comes comes and delivers us from the depths of our sin. That's the beauty of the picture. That's the beauty of what Christ has done for us. And he calls us once again this morning to put our hope and our trust in him. If you are are facing the sea of sin and do not find a way to get across yourself, don't be surprised. There is nothing in ourselves we can do. Look away from yourself and look to the provision God has made, the awesome provision, the miraculous provision in His Son, Jesus Christ. And put your faith and your hope and your trust in Him. God's power concerned for His own. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in Him 
who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. This deliverance was deliverance for the people of God and destruction for the enemies of God. Pharaoh tries the same thing, to go through the Red Sea, and he is wiped out. God's power as a benefit for his own. Deliverance for us. Destruction upon our enemies. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. God gets the glory. Verse 8, bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. Bless our God. He has preserved us, and so he gets the glory. He gets the praise. We began our worship service this morning with Psalm 115. Not unto us, O God, not unto us, but to your name bring glory. He is the one who is worthy of all glory and honor and praise. Verse 13, I come into your house with burnt offerings. I perform my vows to you. That which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble, I will offer to you burnt offerings of fatted animals with the smoke of sacrifice of land. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. We bring the glory to God because of what he has done in our lives. As God works in us by the power of his spirit, we should notice a change in the way that we live. A change in the choices that we make, a change in the language that we use, a change in the things that we do. And that change should be observable, should be noticeable to those around us. And so when someone says to us, you know, I, I, I see the way you're acting, I see the way you're living, um, why do you do that? Why do you live that way? Why do you seek to do things that are right and honorable? And we don't say, well, it's because I'm a really great person. I'm a really great guy. Just look at how wonderful I am. We say, no, I do this in praise to God. He is the one who gets to the glory. Not unto us, O God, not unto us, but to your name be the glory. We give him the praise because he is the one who is at work in us. He gets the praise for what he is doing, even in times of trial. Verse 10, for you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. Sometimes God takes us through very difficult places and times in our life. And it's easy for us to say, well, God's not doing anything for us right now. But perhaps it is the case that he is trying us as silver is tried. What does that mean, kids, tried like silver? If you take silver and you make it really, really hot, you can melt it and it becomes a liquid, becomes like water. And then, then that silver, you can take a, a, a little tool and, and skim off the bad stuff of the silver, because the bad stuff comes to the top, and you can skim that off and refine the silver or try the silver to make it more pure. 
you turn up the heat to bring out the impurities that they can be removed. And at times, that is what God does for us in our lives. It's easy for us to get comfortable with our sin, content with our sin, and we make peace with our sin. But there are times when God, in His mercy, will turn up the heat to bring the the ugliness of that sin to the top so that we can see it for what it is, an offense against God, and then by His grace and in the power of His Spirit begin to remove that besetting sin from our lives. And when that takes place, it is God who gets the glory. We don't say, look what I've done, I've gotten past this particular besetting sin. No, God is the one who took us, even by turning up the heat, to bring that sin to our attention. He does this for our good. Verse 11, you brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. A burden, a burden that is too heavy to bear. The psalmist uses that language. My sin, a burden too heavy to bear. Where do we look for hope when we're bearing that burden? Do we think, well, if I just try harder, I can do it myself? No, we look to God, the one who we trust, and the one who then receives the glory when he in his time removes the burden. Verse 12, you let men ride over our heads. We went through fire, we went through water. I went through everything, the psalmist says. Where does he end up? Yet you brought us out to a place of abundance. Again, very hard to remember when we are going through the difficulties. But God is refining us. He is testing us. He is trying us to bring us where He wants us to be, into a place of abundance. And then when He does that, it is He Himself who receives the glory. Not look what I have done, not look what I've endured, but look how God mercifully, lovingly has cared so much for me that He would even take me through this difficulty that I might be refined and of more use to him. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And then our prayer concludes with the word, amen. The psalmist in Psalm 16, come and hear all you who fear God. I will tell what he has done for my soul. A personal confession. I believe what God has done and I'll tell you what God has done. Our confession says, we conclude our prayer, this means we have made all these petitions of you because as our all-powerful king, you are both willing and able to give us all that is good. And because your holy name and not we ourselves should receive all the praise, amen means this shall truly and surely be. We pray in confidence. We don't just throw prayers up to God and hoping he catches them. This shall truly be and surely be. We believe it. We believe our prayers. Kids, we say amen at the end of the prayer, not just to signal that we're done, but it's saying, I have made these requests, and I believe God will answer them. In fact, I love how our confession concludes. It is much more certain that God has heard my prayer than I feel in my heart 
that I desire such things from him. It is so certain he has heard me even more than I desire the things I ask for. We pray this prayer in confidence. We pray this prayer with assurance. Amen. It is truly and surely to be a personal confession. The psalmist says, I cried to him with my mouth. High praise was on my tongue. If I cherish iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And he reminds us that praying to God is an activity for believers, for those who believe in him. If we had cherished sin, if we didn't care about doing things God's way, he would not have listened. The Lord's Prayer is a prayer for Christians. It's a prayer for believers to offer to God. Maybe sometimes we're asked to to say a prayer uh, for some particular uh, association or assembly, and we say, well, I'll just pray the Lord's Prayer. It's a prayer for the church. It's a prayer for believers, for those who acknowledge God as their Father and the work of Jesus Christ. This is where we begin. It's a Christian prayer. If, if, if you are saying this prayer without knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior, then all the things about give us this bread or help us to honor your name, all that's secondary to acknowledging our sin and our need for Christ. This is a prayer for Christians. And if you are not a believer, God calls you this morning to put your faith in Him, in the God who has taught us how to pray in this beautiful Lord's Prayer. The psalmist said, if I cherish iniquity, God would not have listened. Verse 19, but God truly has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God. He has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. God has listened. He listens to us. When we turn to him in prayer, acknowledging him as our Father in heaven, for the sake of Jesus Christ, acknowledging that He is the one who is to be praised and honored and gloried, He is the one who holds the kingdom and the power and the glory, then we can with certainty and with surety pray to Him. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord our God, we thank You for the avenue of prayer, whereby we can speak to you, the great God who created all that we see around us, the ruler of the universe, the king of the kingdom, and yet we come to you as Father, as one with whom we have intimate fellowship. Help us, O God, to bring you the glory and the honor and the praise which you deserve. We love to speak to you about your greatness, about your majesty, about what you have done for us, for you have rescued us, rescued us from the depths of sin and hell itself through the work of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord God, may you continue to work in us. Help us to conform ourselves more and more to your ways. Lord God, hear us as we pray, for we offer our prayer in Jesus' name, for it is sure to be. Amen.